This is BetQL Daily with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Sixers down by one. Isolation. Embiid over Portis. Book it. Joel Embiid puts the Sixers up by one. You know, I'm just excited for us to be healthy. And, uh, you know, I got to keep doing what I've been doing. And I'm sure my teammates are going to follow. But, you know, we're pretty excited about what we can accomplish. Welcome on in, BetQL Daily. Joe Giglio, Nick Asher with you on a Friday before NBA All-Star Weekend. The voice there of Joel Embiid last night after the Sixers take down the Bucks. Uh, we got a lot to get into. Happy to have Nick aboard. Zach is producing today. We got a fun show. Trista Crick's going to join us later for BetMGF tonight on the NBA at the break. We'll kind of dive into big picture stuff on the league, MVP race, title, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and we'll do a little quarterback carousel. And uh, we'll start with last night and all that. But, Nick, how you doing this morning, man? A little, little sick, but I'm going to make it through. As long as my voice makes it through, uh, we'll be good. I have learned this. I don't have kids myself. But every time I'm around nieces and nephews, I, I don't know what it is about kids and super germs, man. But three days, every single time I've seen them, like this whole winter, I never get sick. I'm a mess. I, I, I can't. Like, I, I, I try my best to have a strong immune system and work hard. I think we've all learned that over the last couple of years. I can't do it. They win every single time, man. It, it's unbelievable how kid germs always win every single time. It is impossible. Part of it, I, they just have no concept of space, right? And like, <laughs> even if they're like have a runny nose, like, like, right? Like, if I didn't feel great, and and you were you and I were in the same place hanging out, like I'd keep extra distance, right? I would try to make yeah. sure, like, yeah. Yep. But kids have no concept. Like, they'll just climb no. on you. How how old are your nieces and nephews? Uh, so my nephew just turned five. Right. My niece is like one and a half. So he had a sniffly note. It was his birthday. So we went, saw him. My wife and I went and saw them. Family, you know, it was like at this point, everybody's kind of, you know, either had the latest round of COVID or everybody's boosted and all that. So it's like, all right, we can get together. It's kind of everything's opened up again. You know, my nephew's sitting there sniffling and his mom is the best. Who needs a tissue? And he goes, not me. And he's <laughs> wiping his nose and sniffing. I'm thinking that Saturday I'm going, I'm going to get sick. It's going to happen again. And sure enough, like, it just, I don't know. You're right. Like, they don't understand space. They don't understand rules. They don't understand hygiene. And then we all we all lose after that. We all lose as adults because of children every single time. Yes, it, it, it is. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, and I, I feel you, man. Whenever they're <laughs> sick, I'm like, oh, I'm done. It's going to hit me here. All right, well, I'm happy to have you with me today, and uh, and, we'll, and we'll get through this and, and have a good time next three hours. So we heard um, we heard the cut there, Nick, of last night, Sixers-Bucks. Bucks came in that game six-and-a-half-point favorites. Sixers obviously have had a really nice season, and beat has been unbelievable. But I understood the line last night. We talked about on the show, like, all right, Bucks are at home. Sixers off like a 50-point loss two nights before. They're still playing shorthanded because Harden's not there yet, or he's not playing yet. No Curry, yeah. no Drummond. So they're still shorthanded. I, I got the line last night, and they went up big. They lost that lead. They won it in the end. But, but Nick, really what stood out to me is, man, this Joel Embiid season. I mean, this is like – he's there's a reason he's the MVP favorite. He's been unbelievable. He was again last night. Yeah, he he's making a clear case. And, and this is something I, I've certainly, I've gone back and looked at this really over this past year, written about it a couple times. It's become something that I'm really interested in is like, there's almost a psychology behind who wins the MVP in the NBA, probably more than any other sport, because the people that are voting get, uh, there's voter fatigue and there's, almost this mindset of like next guy up, right? If you kind of look at it, you have to kind of be somebody that's close, set, finished second or third, and then you get your opportunity, then you win. Like Embiid was second, even though Jokic ran away with it last year. This just feels like 
it is Joel Embiid's MVP season to lose at this point. Now, what I am curious about is when James Harden gets in that lineup and plays, like, what does that do? And you're obviously in Philly. You, you, I'm sure this has been a huge conversation for you is, you know, what is, what is that work? How does that work? Like, does Joel Embiid make sure to try to get Harden involved more? I know Harden can certainly be the one. He can be a playmaker. We saw him do it in Brooklyn, but we know he's a scorer. We know that I, I feel like both of them complement each other more, but does that take away from touches and shots for Joel Embiid? And, you know, does that maybe hurt at all his numbers late in the year and people start to forget and you see somebody like Giannis you know, jump back up again? But Embiid is in that position now. He was second last year. It was the first time he was really truly mentioned as a legit MVP. So it just feels like this is his MVP to lose at this point. I agree. And now I do think Harden's going to take some some numbers away from Joel. I mean, yeah. I, they'll share, and I, and I think they play off each other well, their games. But, I mean, Harden can have those nights where he drops 35. That means that Beat's probably yep. not dropping 35 those nights. So I do think that's that's part of it. I, I thought it was interesting this morning before we hopped on, uh, Tim Bonteps of ESPN put out uh, the latest straw poll where he, like, polls 100 voters for the MV, for awards around the league. And like, yeah. kind of right now, what would you vote? And the current straw poll as we head to the All-Star break, Embiid 45 first place votes and Jokic 43 first place votes. So it's pretty split. Mm -hmm. Now, Embiid was the leader because he had more second place votes or whatever, but pretty split for first place um, between Joel and, and Jokic right now. And I agree with you. Giannis certainly is in this mix as well. I, I do think Harden will take away from some numbers. And, you know, as we look forward here, the Sixers schedule gets a little tougher in March. Here's what it is for me, though, Nick. If Joel Embiid stays healthy and plays the full year, I think it's his. And and you mentioned something there with kind of like next man up. Isn't the NBA more of the narrative MVP than any other thing, right? Baseball is mm -hmm. all yes. about war and numbers now. Like the narrative really doesn't matter anymore in baseball. Football, a little bit, but it's mostly best record and best stats with the quarterbacks. Basketball's the narrative. Like if Joel carries the Sixers to a one seed or close to it, especially what happened with Ben Simmons, the fact that he was playing like without his second best player half the season. I think he's, I think there's a reason why he's likely to win this thing. Yeah. Being such a star driven league narratives will also drive a lot of things that are surrounding your league. If it's the NBA. And you know, if you go back and look, the last player to win three straight MVPs was Larry bird. And the last guy to win three out of the last four years was magic Johnson. So you don't really have a stretch of like, it's why to me, I look at Giannis and think it's probably not going to be his because that would be three out of the last four years. And you just don't see that very much. Jokic would make more sense because if you also go back and look at the history of the MVP, it's mostly back-to-backs and that's it. LeBron, every, LeBron won multiple back-to-backs, but was never a three-time MVP. Uh, Steph Curry, Tim Duncan are another ones. Michael Jordan. My, you know, Michael Jordan could have been MVP every single year. He never won three straight, but he won back-to-back -back MVPs. Uh, LeBron hasn't won an MVP since 2013. You think he didn't deserve one more MVP? But a lot of these voters look at it and go, eh, I voted for you enough. You've gotten it a bunch. Who's the next guy up? So that's why before the season, I looked at Embiid as one of the, it was Embiid or Jokic because Jokic could do back-to-back. -back. We've seen that. He's kind of in that peak right now as an MVP guy. And Joel Embiid is the next man up there. But it is, it is crazy. When you talk about narratives, you see it so much in the NBA. But this is what happens, too, when it's a very star-driven league and the spotlight is on the individual names. Yeah, there's no question. And the, the narrative will, will carry you as long as you put the numbers up. Embiid's done it so far, yeah. and he was amazing last night. Other one last night that caught my attention, I'm sure you were watching it down in the D.C. area, Wizards win in Brooklyn, 117-103. Boy, it's – speaking of like kind of narratives or kind of pick your own – choose your own adventure – the way people talk about the Nets is fascinating to me, Nick. You have some people who think like, all right, they're screwed now. 
And then, you know, a lot of people think they're going to be better, that they're still the favorites, that they're going to go to the finals. Obviously, last night, no Kyrie. The game's in New York. No Durant, he's still hurt. No Ben Simmons, whatever this is called. He's ramping himself back up to play basketball. So I'm not shocked they lost, but th- th- this Nets thing, they are the most difficult contender to figure out because I do think yep. there's a path if they mesh and Ben accepts his role, they could be good. I mean, they really could be good. But it's also like I'm trusting Durant's health, Kyrie to be available, and Ben Simmons to accept who he is. That That's a lot to to try to you know mesh together in two months here. So I, I look at them as a better team on paper in terms of roles and where everybody fits puzzle pieces. Ben Simmons doesn't have to shoot a lot, doesn't have to worry about going to the free throw line because, as you know very well, as you saw, he's very scared to go there. But, you know, you have somebody now that's going to get the ball to a Kyrie Irving, to a Kevin Durant. But you've got extenuating circumstances with this team that you just don't have with other rosters and Kyrie Irving and whether he's available to play. And, you know, I, I credit Adam Silver for coming out and saying, like, you can have away players come in and play in Barclays, but you can't have Kyrie Irving. This is ridiculous. So if that changes, that puts the Nets in a much better position. The Nets, talent-wise, are the best team in the East. They've got a new big three. They already had a big three. Their former big three was the biggest what-if we'll probably ever have in the NBA, besides maybe Kobe and Shaq and how many more titles they could have won. But when you look at where the Nets are, you still have Kevin Durant's health. You're right. But he can also, as we've seen, come back from an injury and – not miss a beat. He's Kevin Durant. He's one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Ben Simmons now is a facilitator that's going to get everybody involved. They're better defensively now with Ben Simmons, without question. But then it's Kyrie. Six of the last eight regular season games for the Nets are at home. If Kyrie still can't play and they're fighting for home court advantage, let's say, do they even want home court advantage in the playoffs? Are they better off playing more road games because then they can have Kyrie if those restrictions don't get lifted in New York? All of these things go far above and beyond just the normal, let's look at a team and try to figure out if I think they're still the favorite after this trade. Because really in an era of COVID, and we dealt with this throughout this year too, we were waiting for guys to be scratched last minute because of health and safety protocols in November and December. All of this stuff makes it that much more difficult. The Nets are a better team on paper, but they've got to actually have that roster together to be that better team. Yeah, they're still six to one over at FanDuel Sportsbook, which is amazing. Ahead of the head of the Sixers, ahead of Miami, ahead of the Jazz, um, you know, teams that have been content, you know, good all season and together all season. So the other big thing yesterday, Nick, that was um, I saw the Instagram post, I guess, from Sean McVay's uh, fiance yeah. <laughs> confirming. I, I love looking at that thing because McVay's drinking a glass of red wine. It looked like he was probably on his second or third glass of red wine at that point, just judging by his face. And she basically said, no, he's not retiring. Well, what did you make of all that? Because obviously McVeigh started down where you are in Washington. has had an amazing mm-hmm. run. Only 36 years old to do what he's done in the NFL. It was – I could see it. Like I could see him eventually becoming the next John Gruden where he kind of like quickly young, goes to the booth, makes a lot of money. Then maybe one day he comes back. But I, a part of me thought the whole time like, I wonder if this is about a contract. I wonder if he's just kind of leveraging this against the Rams like, hey – I can go make $12 million a year doing Monday Night Football, so you're going to make me the highest-paid coach. She says he's coming back. I'm not surprised if he does. There's always a round of leverage, and I don't think he's at that point yet. You probably you know, want to run it back, give it a couple more years. But you know, he's been going so hard for so long. I mean, he is a football lifer, and you know, he was somebody that was known as being one of the hardest workers when he was in the building at Washington as her tight ends coach and then offensive coordinator, where everybody knew there was a Sports Illustrated article about him when he just became Washington's offensive coordinator, about like him being a head coach in a year. We didn't expect him to leave that soon. Then he got the interview and was like, that's it, he's gone. So 
he started off so young here. You have that ability where, let's say he goes four more years, decides not to coach anymore after 40, wins two Super Bowls. I'd say you've accomplished a lot. If you feel like you have other interests besides being a coaching lifer, like let's say a Bill Belichick, yeah, TV makes sense. It's a lot more cushy. Maybe wants to spend some time with his family. Still make seven figures, be really comfortable, but you don't have to work the same hours that you did before. It, it's a whole lot easier talking about the sport than coaching the sport, as we all know. So that may be something that's enticing for him. But yes, I think there's also some of the, the idea of, you know, you guys should at least think about as an organization what it would be like if I'm not around. It's like Jim Harbaugh, right? Jim Harbaugh's going to go talk to some NFL teams. Oh, no, Michigan wants to make sure he gets a new contract. Oh, but, you know, we'll let you maybe have some flexibility in case the NFL is there. But, you know, after his best year as head coach of Michigan, all of a sudden now he's talking about NFL teams. He's interested in NFL teams. Uh, there's rumors about that. He's kind of creating this narrative of, like, if you really want me, Michigan – just keep thinking about me, maybe going somewhere else. And there's, it's almost like a you're in a relationship and you kind of try to make that person jealous just to see how they feel, just to remind them like, hey, you got something good here. There is absolutely some semblance of that with Sean McVay and the Rams right now. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I thought for a couple days there, post-Super Bowl, like Monday, Tuesday, maybe he was really going to jump to TV. But then I saw when Kevin O'Connell accepted and, and got introduced as the Vikings coach, I was like, that probably means he's staying because I felt like if, if he was going to go, O'Connell might have told the Vikings like, hey, I'm going to stay here. I'm just going to take this thing over and pilot yeah. the team that just won the Super Bowl. So it sounds like McVay is going to uh, going to stay there in, in L.A. and at least coach one more year. Last thing to hit on early in the show, um, last night college basketball, Michigan goes into Iowa, gets a big win. Uh, I don't know about you, Nick, but I, I've been – Whenever the Super Bowl ends, like my first thought, I love baseball. I'm upset about baseball. Like I usually like I'm, yeah. I'm starting locked in on baseball stuff. Obviously, I don't have that right now. So, but I'm like I'm always in the, into the NBA. But I've been watching more college basketball this past week. We have Zach producing today. Zach's like Mr. College Basketball. So I've been, yeah, he is. <laughs> I've been diving in these games. That was a good game last night, uh, Michigan Iowa, and, and I, I can't wait for March Madness now. Yeah, it was. And this is like, I've, I've kind of learned, this is like the catch-up time, I think, for a lot yep. of people uh, that were kind of, you know, you're you're immersed in the NBA or probably the NFL first. I mean, that's a huge, the NFL, as we know, is the the biggest in terms of uh, betting interest around the country. But now that that's done, this is the time for people to start to catch up because March Madness is a has a massive interest on top of that. So you start to go back and look at maybe what you've missed, maybe watch it a little more casually. And it helps to have really good games, right? It helps to have these storylines. You know, the, the, the hard part about the NBA or college basketball a little bit is you have a lot of turnover with some of these big programs every year. It's really hurt college basketball over the years. So you hope that you get a really good March Madness this year that can kind of elevate the sport again moving forward. Yeah, and that would be great. And we're about, I think it was yesterday was exactly one month or four weeks yep. from like that first day of the yeah. tournament where everyone plays. So very excited about that. We'll dive into this weekend of college basketball coming up. In a little bit, we got a big show planned. Trista Crick later on from BetMGM tonight on the NBA. We'll dive into All Star Weekend, which you know you're not you're feeling a little bit under the weather. It's it's not a bad weekend. You sit back, you got three point shootout, NBA, yeah. all that all that stuff. You can sit back I'll and watch it, that man. stuff. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so we'll dive into that. And coming up on the other side, Nick and I will dive into the NBA the NBA at the break. Odds to win the finals, awards, we where we think there's value as we get to the NBA All Star break right here on the BetQL Network.
Hey, it's Joe Gillier from BeckQL Daily, 9 to noon Eastern. Download the free Odyssey app now to watch and listen to the Daily Tip. BeckQL Daily, you better you bet, and bet MGM tonight on the BeckQL Network.